Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Housewives, we are here and so excited, y'all. Season three has just been an absolute thrill to be here with all of our guests. And y'all, like, we don't have enough time to see all the people that we want to see and interview all the people, which is like such a huge blessing. And so I do want to remind you, listeners, that we do have a newsletter that comes out occasionally. And so if you are not on our newsletter to know when new episodes drop, go to unlikelyhousewives.com, sign up for our newsletter so you can also get exclusive content there too. And I want to make sure that you are part of our Unlikely Housewives family so when you know we're doing things because I'm so excited because there's all sorts of things in the works that Tracy has even no idea about that I've got planned and up my sleeve. We should talk about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's more fun when Tracy's surprised. I mean, isn't that the case? Well, so. Housewives, we're excited that you're here this week. We are excited. And I am thrilled to announce our guest with us. She has returned. We are so happy to have Noreen Dupree with us today. And friends, if you have not listened to her episode, it is episode number 37 called Therapy and Vulnerability. And you can go to any podcast forum that you listen to us on and just type in Unlikely Housewives Noreen and her episode will pop up. That episode really focused on getting into therapy or questions. Should we go to therapy? How can we save our marriage? There was just a lot of... Oh, just simple questions like that? Mm -hmm, Just simple ones. Yeah. And we talked about being being vulnerable and really just getting into that space that helps with the communication. But for this week, we're going to talk about some new things. But before we jump in, I just wanted to reintroduce Noreen. She is, and I can say this because I get to, she's my therapist. (laughs) She's my husband and I therapist. We go to her for individual counseling and couples counseling. And it's been really, really great working with her through really trying times in our seasons of life. And I say seasons because... There are multiple seasons. Yep. We've walked through a lot. (laughs) But she is a professional therapist. She has a master of science in marriage and family therapy. One of the things that we're going to talk about is the Gottman method, uh, couples therapy today. That's something that she is very knowledgeable on and something that we're going to bring into our conversation today. She helps so many people, individuals and marriage and families with anxiety, conflict, depression, infidelity, loss, grief, low self-esteem, relationship problems, which is really, uh, we're going to just kind of like tiptoe into that today. Like there's so much that we could talk about But we really, really felt that the relationship problems, what we talk about today can be in a marriage and could be in a relationship. It could be with a mother, father, friends, friends, friends. Yeah, just a lot of things. So with all of that, welcome back, Noreen. Thank you. Thank you, girls. We're so excited that you came back because clearly we didn't scare you off the first time. So (laughs) here's the second time to get to do that. I have four boys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a shirt. I have four boys. You can't scare me. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yes. 
Well, thank you very much for coming here. And as we got into chat before we turned on the microphones, and I'm very excited about the topic at hand today. Yeah, how we came up with it, I'll share. Yesterday after therapy, you know, we were kind of, you and I were just discussing, and I was like, what is it that brings people to the door, you know, that brings people to you? And you just said, it's as simple as the way people talk to each other, you know? And it's like, it's so funny because we think like, big things, right? Like finances or sex or infidelity, infidelity, Infidelity. loss, loss. Absolutely. Like just Mm -hmm. major struggles. And you gave such a simple answer to me that actually I was like, wait, what? That seems so simple. Yet it's such a basic foundation. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to get into today. And we're going to talk about the four things that people need in life. They are to feel safe, to be seen, to be heard, and to be told and know that they matter. And I think it's so interesting that when people come to you, they're coming with an emotion and they don't know that they're missing one of these pieces. Is that correct? Yes, very much so. Well, okay, so those four things, do we have to have those things from an earthly source as well as our Heavenly Father? Oh my gosh. Well, we already feel safe with our Father. Well, not everybody does. If you, complete, if you completely trust him and are secure true, in that, right? True. If you have a true relationship, you know, you right. go from religion yes. to relationship, like you do feel safe and secure. Like, I know he's got this. I don't have to worry. And I know that I matter because he tells me that I matter. Mm-hmm. But we need those things from earthly relationships as well. Right. But sometimes when we lean into our earthly relationships to feel that safety, seeing, heard, matter, it's expectations just waiting for resentment to happen. So as Tracy has seen, I have these hands and in the hands are nothing. There's nothing in them because if you show up to God and like, here I am and not like, here's what I want. I need, fill this, give me this. Mm -hmm. You're just showing up with your hands open and like, here I am, Lord. He will provide. But it's when we show up, we're like, I want this and financially. Or when we show up with our hands closed, like, please don't take these away. Please don't. I need these. These these are my the things that I need. Mm -hmm. Please don't take these away. Right. You can't receive what he's trying to give you if you're holding on to what you want. Yeah. So that's the first thing. So yes. And there's a lot of spiritual woundedness in our world. And truth is, churches are man and men have sinned. So inevitably, you're going to potentially get spiritual woundedness. And so if we really are truly being present, Psalm 4610, being present and still with the Lord, we will be told, we will know. We don't need to have this constant, like I said, the cookie. We don't need it. Oh, good job, Noreen. I see you. Because if we are immersed in his presence, then we feel it. The Holy Spirit just provides that. But then you have life. And of course, everyone wants to feel safe. You want to know that when you go home, your children want to go home and feel safe. I, I said earlier, like your children come home, they dump their backpack and they turn into like these little mongers. And you're like, oh my gosh, you were so well behaved for your teacher. And yet you come home and you are like this, like you're with 25 kids during the day and you don't argue with them and you walk in and you want to punch your sibling. And yeah, it's because they are in a place of safety. And if you think of everyone as a cup, even with the lid on, we are confined inside these containers all day at work, exercise class, Bible studies, school, just all these environments. And we have on our, you know, happy face. And then we come home, we take off the lid and we tilt and we just pour out and we can just take up space. And we know that we are 
safe and loved. And that's great for our children. But when we get home and if a husband comes home from work and his wife doesn't even like look up to acknowledge him, he doesn't feel very safe. Like, oh my gosh, what am I walking into? Or if a wife is gone and the husband not babysits his children, but is parenting his children. That's a huge thing, by the way. Yeah. I don't know. Like oh, yeah. Phrase. I know. We, I remember years and years and years ago. I want to say it was probably before I had kids. I had a girl's night out and we had, and she goes, well, my husband is babysitting the kids. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's called parenting. Like, that's, <laughs> that's like, he's, you're not paying him $12 an hour. It's called parenting. But also, Men are not natural nurturers. Like that is an uncomfortable space for them. And that's why they don't like a naturally hold into that space. You know, like that's why moms, when we leave town, it's a little bit different than when dads leave town. Like it know. becomes a circus in a good way. Like all the fun happens <laughs> when dad leaves town or when mom, when mom leaves town. Yeah, when mom leaves town. <laughs> dad's whole, like, let's whole, go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. Holy crap. <laughs> it's like Disneyland dad, right? Like all boundaries are off. Like they're yeah, up until they have responsibilities and you come home, moms come home and, and we freak the F uh-huh. out because we're like, what happened? Like there was a tornado in this house and I was only gone for two days. Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's true. But women want to protect their children. And so they enable their husband by like having meals in the fridge and all their clothes laid out. These oh are grown ass men that know how to run companies, provide for their family. If we don't shelter them, they will figure it out. Yeah. Your children's heads are not going to pop off their shoulder and roll down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, shout out to my husband. I just want he does all of our children's laundry. We talked about that. Yeah. He's amazing. Okay. That's a bragging right. Exactly. That's why I just said like he does. But how did he get there? Because he may have gotten frustrated that I would leave uh, laundry (laughs) baskets on the kitchen table for days and all their clothes would just be sitting. And then once you start getting dressed in the kitchen, because that's where the laundry basket is. But he is amazing. He does their laundry, his laundry. I only do my laundry and then like sheets and random stuff every once in a while. But like, he's amazing. Like okay, I have- So for the housewives, this is where if your husband does something, you go out, you buy a Mr. Good Bar candy bar and you put a little ribbon on it and a little note with your husband's name and you just celebrate him. That's a good idea. I'll do that. I'll tape it to the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of who he is, not what he does. I know, but he is. And- his love language is acts of service. Mm. And so I can tell him all day long, thank you. Like my mm-hmm. love language is words of affirmation. Right. So tell me I'm pretty and that you're proud of me and I'm happy. Like that's all I need. And we joke that, the you know, I'm still working off the compliment from 2008, which was I do. He's very much the same way of like, he goes, I'm not going to tell you good job for doing your job. Like you're doing your... and. And that's how he runs a very successful business. Like that's, I shouldn't have to give you a cookie to say, oh, good job for doing what you're supposed to do. The last couple of years have just been like, yeah. And finding our, for everybody. Yeah. Really? Have you done something (laughs) the last couple of years? I don't don't remember. It's just been the last couple of years. I think it's been, you know, forever. Right. That's true. Yeah. And we're just living it. So we can talk about it. Yes. Well, I think we talk about the love languages all the time and these four things that, we need to be seen, to be heard, to be told and know we matter. Yeah. What was the other one? Safe. 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 Those are all things we need probably at the forefront 
And the way we receive that mm-hmm. is probably the love language. Mm-hmm. And there's other ways that like right. I know it's, how my husband, you know, shows that I'm safe and seen and heard and that I matter. And it just looks different than my expectations. Right. And expectations breeds resentment. Yeah. I was going to and I'll give a shout out to this book. If you have not read it to our Unlikely Housewives, What Did You Expect by Dr. Paul David Tripp. It mm. saved my marriage years ago. And because it is all about the expectations and you said you come into the family getting married, like your childhood expectations of what your family was like and what his family was like completely different. And what made your mom feel secure is different than what made his mom feel like it, there's just so much. But the what did you expect book is just incredible because it all goes back to one Christ first mm-hmm. and fixing the vertical relationship first mm-hmm. before you fix the horizontal. Yep. There we go. I love to say, take it to the throne, not the phone. Oh, that's oh, good. Ooh. So when you want to we'll complain quote that. Yeah. Um, about your husband, like, I'm sorry, he's every morning before I leave, even when my husband's not my favorite person, I will walk over to him because he's always, I always leave really early and I'll just put my hands on him and very gently, just like, Father God, he's yours, your son's precious name. I don't need to show up with a list of everything that I need Darren to change and all the ways that. You mean he- you're not? supposed to be your husband's holy spirit (laughs) i thought that was part of the wife's title like wife equals holy spirit for husband yeah i think i figured out that god does a much better job than i do so (laughs) yeah (laughs) praise thank goodness and even on my way to school i'll just put my hands on my son's face or put my finger in his ear i'm like lord he's yours because i can say let him be a light for you let him be respectful and step up for the one kid that's sitting alone instead i can just say you know him, you love him more than I do. Yeah, so that's, that's good because I feel like as your kids are getting older and once they have their own relationship with Christ and they have the Holy Spirit in them, there's such a letting go phase that Chris and I are going through because all of our kids have made that decision and the conversations look different and we can't compare what life was like for us then mm-hmm. as it is for them now because they are walking differently than we ever did. We have to remind each other all the time. We're like, we've done our part. We've said our prayer. Now let the Holy Spirit lead them. I love how you say that is he is yours, Lord, because so often we are so fearful in what happens if we lose a kid or you know what I mean? Like we're just so fearful to let them out in the world. And but like it's, it's a reminder for yourself, like he was yours before he was ever mine. Oh, and you love him so much more than I could ever. Imagine. Exactly. And you have a much bigger plan for him and whatever you plan to use his life much more than I could ever predict. My third son goes to Liberty University and for years I would say he's a warrior. He's a five. She's talking Enneagram five. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's type six, wing five, sometimes more. I mean, he kind of fluctuates between five and six, but there is fear in everything. And for years I'd be like, Beckett, the Bible says 365 times, do not worry. One for each day. So now he's away at college and it's not close. It's in Lynchburg. And I'll call him and he's like, mom, God's got me 365 times. He's told you, do not fear. Oh, You're fearing, mom. And I'm, I'm just, it gives me chills. That does. I'm like, okay, dang it. I hate it when my kid serves me off what I gave him for years. Right. Don't it's, you hate but it? It's when also, they, yeah. yeah. It's also like, 
Oh, it did stick. <laughs> yeah, there is part of that. Yes, for sure. I, I, I would love that too. Okay, do you know if it's true? Because I've heard this multiple times. The sin that is rebuked the most in the Bible, any guesses what it is? The sin that's rebuked the most. That's mentioned the most? Gossip and nagging. Oh, oh that does not surprise me. Really? Because it surprised me. Take it to the throne, not the phone. Exactly. But that's what made me think of that saying that. And I, I've, I've heard it multiple times from a commentary show that I listened to. But I was like, wow. And how guilty as women are we? Oh, my like, gosh. Like yeah. all we do. Like, we compete you know. on whose husband is the worst. Oh, that's why I think this topic in general is going to be, as we get into it, more fantastic. Because it is instead of talking about it, nagging about it, gossiping about it, and talking about all of what's going on, we need to be talking about not just their role, but ladies, your role. Yeah. Right. Well, and to the part, like, I I know Andrew openly admits that he was fearful of Bible studies. For me, he goes, he goes isn't it just a fest about your husbands? And I was like, well, well no. I mean, we, we do talk. Some but, used to be, but yes, exactly. that was a boundary that we set on this one beforehand. Yeah, right. Which is so much shame that men experience, yeah. like, you're falling short, you're failing. And and I'm leaning weekly to tell others about it. Like, that's what they see. Much, yeah. That's what they, that's so what they think. So get your Mr. Good Bar, especially during Halloween season, and get your little mini Good Bars and oh, just sneak them and into just your husband's in in different places. In his car, in his underwear drawer, in his socks. Just know where, where the dogs will get it. Okay, that's true. true. Yeah, true. Put it, keep it away from the dogs. <laughs> right. But, but yes, our husbands do need to be lifted up and for Thessalonians, I love it. Okay. Can you just can we just say how much a husband would love to find a Mr. Goodbar in his underwear drawer? <laughs> just <laughs> setting that on his. <laughs> He's like, oh yes, Sorry. I do have a Mr. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do have a Mr. Goodbar. Yes, I do. Yeah, but you know what? Men need to hear that. Yes, they do. Yeah. Especially that's how they identify in the world. I mean, like very masculine. Men cannot be vulnerable, which is another reason why it's very difficult to get to men to Bible studies because. Even my husband's like, I'm not supposed to know. That's not my business. I'm like, we are in a small group. That's what small groups do. He's like, not my responsibility. No, I'm not supposed to know that. Mm-hmm. That's it's funny because we, this is our first year in a small group. We just started a small group and we've done, we're going through the book of Romans. And it's interesting, like, and to see how, how God has used Andrew to encourage other men to get their own Bible. Text them and say, hey, you coming to church today? Like, wow. Women need accountability, but men need accountability. 3717, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And And a man sharpens another man. Okay. One of the things that I want to come back to is you had said earlier, expectations breeds resentment. And without of these like four things that people need in life. Okay. We were talking about that for a second because it's a foundation of where we're headed. But my question on that, when I came to you a year and a half ago, I came to the office I came with resentment mm. and I didn't know I came with bitterness. I came with all these feelings that were me. And just so the listeners know, I started therapy for myself. I had no idea where God was going to lead us and that my husband would join me and we'd end up in couple therapy. But I started for myself because I knew I needed to change because I had those feelings and I didn't know why. And all the time, my piece of that, that I wasn't, the, my expectation that wasn't being met was being heard. And that was one of the pieces. Again, I'm going to refresh your memory. It's to feel safe, to be seen, to be heard, and to be told and know that you matter. Clearly, I like to be heard. 
I have a podcast. <laughs> but Tracy. Um, and that is how God's filling your cup on this one. Right. Like, yes, just absolutely. Like, Let me give you a podcast for this. Yes. Yeah. Me, here's your platform. Use yeah. it well. We're but, waiting on our book. Her book's coming next. So it, well, one day, on. Maybe one day. In that, though, like I didn't know, though, that my approach to be heard was the wrong approach. So it wasn't necessarily like with my husband or with my friends or with my family. It wasn't that they weren't hearing me. Oh, <laughs> we heard back. you. Yeah, no, well, no, you yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah, no. It just, yes. I, I mean, I think what I'm getting at is I didn't realize it was a me thing. It was a me problem. And that's why that expectation wasn't being met. And so I wanted to start that with a story before we kind of go into it and you help us all see the perspective on it. And can we just say, though, as far as it is quicker to change someone else by changing yourself first. Right. It takes one person in a system to change the entire dynamic. But changing themselves. Right. Like, I wanted to change Andrew so badly like this, but he didn't start to change until I started to change. And I remember I would pray, Lord, you know, change Darren's patience. Have, you know, have him be healthy, happier, you know, do this, that and all this. And then I realized I stopped praying for him and I started to pray for God to change me, to make me more loving and more respectful. And I'm going to pull in David Schnarch, who is an amazing psychologist, but also a sex and trauma therapist. One of my favorite, which I really base a lot of my therapy off of, is differentiation. So often we depend on other people to complete us. Well, it's not my husband's job. It's not your husband, Andrew or Chris's job to fulfill you. It is knowing who we are independently and interdependently. It is knowing who I am and knowing that I'm separate from my husband that I can like you and you still are not my favorite person and that's okay. It's taking ownership for your own responsibility. Mm -hmm. The expectations come in when we are like, it's your job to come home happy, to be excited to see me. I mean, says who? I mean, there are days your husband's going to come home and there are days that you aren't like, oh my gosh, here's the red carpet and Mm -hmm. here's the cocktail and an appetizer and a little, "Mm mm-mm. No, (laughs) it's not going to happen. But just think how happy they would be. (laughs) (laughs) Things men need. Yes. Sex and sandwiches. Yes. And some affirmation and respect. Yeah. Yeah. So. And affirmation is not always words. Very true. Excellent point. Yeah. Because they don't always Affirmation for Andrew could be the house is cleaned. Yeah, honestly, and I know that. Like I do, I know for him, I know that what he loves is like if if things are picked up or things are put away or like I know to him it matters like if he doesn't have to make a decision, you know, like because he makes decisions all day long, putting out the work fires, putting out the things and he goes, I just don't want to make a decision. That's so Mm -hmm. funny because that's what I tell Chris when it comes to date night. I flip that. I'm like, you have like my brain is constantly going. It's like, okay, this appointment, this kid, this time frame, it's the backwards math on where we have to be. It's the uniform for this. Is the laundry done for this? Is the birthday, uh, you know, gift bought for the birthday party the the next weekend? Like, it's all the things. So when it comes to Friday night and it's date night and he says, where do you want to go? I'm like, please don't ask me. Just take me to dinner. For the love of everything holy, (laughs) just, I don't care. Just make the plans. (laughs) Yes. So for my birthday, Andrew goes, where do you want to go? And I was like, let's just go to Five Guys. He's like, I'm literally getting you a burger and fries for your birthday. I was like, yep. That's it. And he's just like, I feel like you cheated on Whataburger. Oh, or I have Shake a- Shack. 
I should have done Shake Shack. Whataburger is nothing. I mean, Shake Shack is well, like I know watch her and watch your watch it. She's from Noreen. Texas, and her daughters I, were well, in a Whataburger commercial. Oh, we were in a Whataburger commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, in it too. So, yeah. Okay, well, I'll give <laughs> you that. Too. Yes, but but we do Whataburger now, like so often. We it's been a long time since we've done Five Guys. So I was like, Five Guys just sound good, but Shake Shack I should have done because he doesn't like it normally. So I, I should have used that. Oh, Dang it! We have next year. I have next year. So let's get back to that because I do want to get to kind of the the lessons in this. This is just so interesting as we've talked about this, the four horsemen, and I'm just going to give a brief understanding so that you can just jump to it. But relationship researcher John Gottman discovered four negative behaviors or the four horsemen of the apocalypse that spell disaster for any relationship. It's basically the four horsemen is a metaphor depicting the end of times in the New Testament. They describe conquest, war, hunger, death, respectively. We use this metaphor to describe communication styles that, according to our research, can predict the end of a relationship. So we kind of gave the foundation for why people typically come to therapy. But this sounds like is the most common conversation that you have with people. Yes. So rather than looking at the appearance of conflict in a marriage, it is really looking at how people engage that predicts the failure or success of a relationship. And there are four things that are the breeding grounds for divorce or relationships ending. And it's criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And some husbands, you might throw in some stonewalling when you're like, that hurt my feelings. And he might say, oh, you're being a snowflake. Well, there's criticism and stonewalling right there. Yeah. So what is the definition of stonewalling? Stonewalling is withdrawing to avoid conflict and or convey disapproval, distance, and separation. But that's not just, I mean, that's how Gottman uses it. Stonewalling can be passive-aggressive. It can be blame-shifting. Well, if you didn't do this, I wouldn't do that. Would silent treatment be stonewalling? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I have a couple that she's a nine on the Enneagram, type nine, peacemaker. And he's like, she's always giving me the silent treatment. And working with her, we've realized She's not giving you silent treatment, but she's just not putting herself in the line of fire to be criticized, which criticism is one of the first ones. And criticism could be attacking you verbally or even your character. Like, oh my gosh, the house is never clean. Well, he would be saying like, the house isn't clean. And the wife might be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible wife. Mm. I'm a horrible woman. I'm a horrible mom. So it's the shame that's being thrown out based upon your character, not what you do, but who you are. Which is interesting, too, because like, I think part of that also is like, right, the stories that we tell ourselves. So like, while Mm -hmm. he's he's not clearly saying you're a horrible wife because the house isn't clean. Again, everybody's individual. He may just saying, oh, the house isn't clean, like to himself. Right. And then we personalize it. You picked it up and said, oh, I'm a horrible wife because of the expectations that we have. And he's talking about me or this reaction is me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I know I have to ask Andrew things like I'm like, "Okay, is it something I did or is this work? Mm, That's a good way to ask. And then he can go, it's work. And I go, "Okay." Every attitude, every conversation that we had. That is amazing because that that is is like saying, I'm not going to pick up something that Mm -hmm. wasn't mine and it's not my job to pick up crap that isn't mine. Right. If if I'm wrong, I tell everyone, when I hurt you, even people in my life, my personal life, even to people that I meet new friends, 
when I inflict you, I need you to say, ouch, because I won't know. And then I will ask for forgiveness and then I will repair. Well, and I think that's why we want to talk about this, because from this perspective, and ladies, we want you to know this goes both ways. Husband talking to wife, wife talking to oh, husband. A or- wife, when she's like, I didn't have enough money to pay. What does a husband instantly think? I'm not, I'm not providing. Good I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. And it is stories. We've learned this in our own processing. My lack of being heard is because while I wasn't using the proper way of explaining myself and I was telling the stories in my head. And I mean, my husband and I both do. We, we admit that very much. But when you can break that down mm-hmm. and you can start to communicate, I mean, we've done the work. So I know how cheesy it is to begin with. But being able to say like you just did, and that didn't sound cheesy, but to say like, I feel this way. Oh, my when I this just get ready to say that. Yes, it, it sounds so cheesy, but man, does it work. It just breaks down all of this. It breaks down the criticism. It breaks down the passive aggressiveness. Every barrier. Every barrier to just be able to say just the basic line of this is how I feel, you know, and I know that there's some conversations that then, well, you know, you're being emotional or you're being sensitive. Like Mm -hmm. it can still come with that. Right. But then that's when you want your partner to come back and go, okay, what I'm hearing you say and not the exact words. I feel disrespected when you come home and say the house isn't clean. And then instead of your husband or the wife, either way, saying, oh my gosh, you're being sensitive or whatever. Or if you just cleaned up, what the partner needs to say is, okay, what I hear you say is when I come home and I complain about the house not being clean, it makes you feel like you are a bad provider or housekeeper or whatever. They need to be able to respect your emotions and what you're saying and be able to say back rather than like, well, then just get it freaking clean. No, Mm -hmm. that's not the answer. What did you just hear me say? How did it make me feel when you said that? And we need to remember too, like we believe in the and, right? Let's go back to that because biblical truth is do not let feelings dictate you. Like our emotions. Women. Women are notorious for that. We are all relational. Right. And I'm going to go there. I feel like I'm a boy now. Please respect that. Like, okay, you can't do that. Your feelings are valid, But then also at the same time, it doesn't make them fact. And at the same time. Right. So your feelings are valid and it doesn't make them a fact. And then when we get upset, like, oh, that made you feel bad? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't get to decide what makes people feel bad. Right. We don't get to decide that. But also it doesn't make the situation true at the right. I I tell everyone, I can say I'm 5'7". You guys can go out in the world and go, oh, my gosh, that Noreen Dupree, she's 5'7". That does not make me 5'7". Right. Validating. I understand what you're saying. And I can disagree. Yes. There we go. And I can disagree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think most marriages, when there is a disagreement, it floods. Right. Okay. Men, I just had the conversation yesterday. They need to be validated, especially from their wives. Even if you don't understand it, like I had a couple come in and her best friend said something not very kind to her husband. And her husband was really hurt. But he was more hurt that his wife didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I didn't know what to say. I said, you didn't have to say anything in front of everyone. You could have just said, oh, my gosh, that makes complete sense that you're angry right now. You don't have to say you were wrong and my friend deserved the right to say that. 
you just have to say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry that you feel so angry or that you're frustrated. That makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Everything makes sense in context. Right. Men need to know that their wives have their back, even if they're wrong. It's just, I understand that you're angry and maybe you didn't handle it the best way. Yeah. Hey, housewives, we are so excited. Oh my goodness, this is a dream come true. Y'all have heard us talk about our sauna sessions from the beginning, and we have Sun Lighten as a sponsor of Unlikely Housewives. Why wouldn't we have a sauna session that brings all of the good juices flowing right out of our bodies when we're detoxing. Ex- Bring it right to the unlikely housewives. Exactly. But first of all, some of those benefits. The intention of getting in the sauna for us was not to create a podcast. No. no I have another we just job. wanted to sweat. We detox. Wa- detox. We wanted to boost our immunity. We wanted the reducing of inflammation and some the weight pop. loss. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's anti-aging. I mean, there's so many benefits to infrared sauna sessions. And so that was our initial purpose. Yeah. And just to vent, it was that season of life that we just needed to sit and talk and talk about what was going on. And that's where it all happened was in the sauna. Did you realize that there are studies that show heat therapy produces endorphins, those feel good emotions? So we were boosting our mood and ideas. So far, we boosted so far that a podcast idea came just flowing out. You guys, this is an incredible opportunity for you. You can have up to $600 off using our link, which is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. That's get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. We'll put that link in the show notes for you too. But $600 off a Sunlighten purchase The one that I have got is the Impulse 3-in-1 Believe, and it's amazing, y'all. It has been the best health investment for our family. I'll say my friends because I invite them over. That's how I use the saunas in your... I know. I come over and sweat. But it's so good and such a benefit. And And you said family investment. The kids can get in it, too. Exactly. The second I hear that there is a stomach bug going around class, Get in the sunlight and girls like you're going to do this in 20 minutes. Let's make sure your immune system is up to par to not bring that home for anybody. It is a family investment and you will not regret it. Again, that link for us is get.sunlighten.com backslash unlikely. All the link will be in the show notes. So let me ask you this, because sarcasm is a love language for us. Like, we just went on a trip with some good friends of ours. And like the things that Andrew and I will say to each other, like we literally were talking about his next wife or I will say, I'm like, it's fine. I'm going to be young enough to remarry. Or he'll tell me, um, he goes, well, I can trade you in now for two 18-year-olds. Now it'll be an 18 and a 19-year-old. And he goes, and they're legal. Like, but those are like things that like, yeah, sometimes. Out of does, context, that out sounds context. very strange to me. Exactly. <laughs> it does because they're like, oh, 
we talked about how like I would bury Andrew in the backyard when he started to work from home. Like no. I'm Italian. I have cement. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, that's good. We'll talk about this later. Knowing what to do with the body. We oh. we won't talk about it because I'll just take care of it. <laughs> hey, Noreen, I need your cell number. You're going to be my person. <laughs> Forget about it. it. Yeah. So like sarcasm, how does that play? Because I've heard you can't do that, like because then it can be seen as criticism and contempt. But I think like given the right, like I know when Andrew's saying something that's passive aggressive sarcasm mm-hmm. or I know when Andrew's saying like because I, I have heard this like the, the Gottman Institute talks about like actual numbers of like Google this, y'all. Like there are YouTube things of like this couple, their percentage of a divorce is oh, it's, yeah. like 95 percent. And they'll follow that couple for all the way till the end and find out, yep, indeed, they did get divorced mm-hmm. just because of the way that they were communicating with each other. So like, but I've heard sarcasm is part of that. If it's trying to send a core message, like if the wife or either one, it's not always a wife. I mean, you have to remember I'm the June Cleaver. So I'm more of the, I very much take the one down. An M80 can blow up like an M80 and can be in charge, but I still try to take the I prefer the more submissive honoring my husband role. Not every woman thinks like that, but that's just how. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to fire back or that I'm not spicy. This really pairs well with what we were talking about with our guest, Jill and mm-hmm. Mark, like talking about strong woman, silent man. Like, yeah. that, like there is that using your strength, like you, Noreen, on your own, like your strength is. It's a gift from God a and gi- you can either gift use it or abuse it. Right. right. And so but having a different set of strength of being submissive to your husband, like you, we've call, been called to be in your marriage is different. Oh, right, it's so yeah. different. So but yes, sorry, um, sorry, I have back. no problem being Mrs. Darren Dupriest. I still am a sculptor and I still am a psychotherapist, but I still went home last night after my last 730 session and plated up dinner for my family. Yes, it probably wasn't the best because it was crockpot and it was like made in seven minutes earlier that morning, but I still think it's important to try to be respectful yeah. of my role. But it's also reciprocated. My husband never sits down until I sit down at the table. Mm-hmm. It's important that I plate. I don't know why that I plate everybody's food. And then he's always sitting at the back of the chair and never sits down until I do. That's beautiful. I it, love that. It is pretty sweet. Now, he used to do dishes, but now he expects my children to do it. And as a mom of four boys, we all know how that works. (laughs) Yeah. They, like, have this ninja slithering away, like, I'm going to go to the bathroom really quick. I was just going to say, I got to back. (laughs) That is the answer to everything. Oh, my gosh. And then it's like, oh, I got to go do this really quick. I'll come right back. And then, like, 30 minutes later, you're like, hey, wait a second. Coming right back was like, hold on. Unless you have a Preston, then it's like that. Yeah, Preston's my number two, and he's like the one that like sticks around. And but he's a two, yeah, type. So it makes sense why Preston sticks around. Okay, but Tori, what was your question? So the sarcasm, like, how does sarcasm, um, like, if there is an undertone, there's a core message that you're sending. If it's just banter, it's one thing. But if a partner is saying something sarcastically, and there is innuendo or a message that you're trying to convey, that is where contempt comes in and contempt that's it because the contempt is you're saying it with Mm -hmm. contempt and the other person is not realizing it attaching sense of self with intent to insult or abuse 
and there is a piece of paper on my desk. Like I've had to replace it so many times because I've used it. Your intent may not be to hurt someone or insult them, but it doesn't matter. It's the impact that matters. So intent versus impact. Oh, that's good. Intent versus impact. So does narcissism fall under contempt? Isn't narcissism like D, all of the above? Right. Yeah. I mean, mean, narcissism's a personality disorder. And can we say this? Narcissism, the word, like using that is so overused. Oh, my gosh. Can we please say that? Because, well, I live with a narcissist. And you're like, well, but you don't. Like, Mm -hmm. it's also like depression. There's clinical depression. And then there's like actual... Like or just being like, like you're sad, okay. But like it's it's an overused term, right? And narcissism's on a continuum. You can be egocentric. That doesn't make you narcissistic personality disorder. Okay, so explain that a little bit. Egocentric could be like very preoccupied with oneself, thinking self importance. But the narcissism goes much deeper. It is a more cunning, manipulative, manipulative. It's a mental illness. They can be pathological. Well, here's an example. Sexual perversion is one self-inflated, self-importance. It's so much deeper. People can have narcissistic tendencies, but even then narcissistic tendencies is not really a real thing. I mean, it is, but everyone just overgeneralizes that term. And I do think that it like that is the reason I asked is because it kind of feels like it's the overall encompassing word to use when you don't understand criticism, contempt, like all of these things that we're going through, they feel like a spouse could be responding with that. Like I I have a lot of friends that are like, my husband's a narcissist, but maybe he just criticizes or maybe he just, you know what I'm saying? You guys, we wake up every day with trillions of cells that scream me, me, me. I mean, that's why we have to go to our father. Yeah. We have to put on the fruit of the spirit. We have to have love and joy and kindness and peace and goodness and gentleness and all that faithfulness because we are sinners. We wake up every day and we, me, me, me. And so we have to put on the armor of God. Yeah. And if we don't, then that's when you have egocentric behaviors and mindsets and self-inflation and self-importance and preoccupation and everything else like that. I believe if I had to like give you a statistic. I think only 4% of the world is narcissistic personality disorder. But that, it's the first thing people, oh, my husband's are narcissistic. Well, or but she's I, narcissistic. like I just said, I think it's because we feel those words, the lack of communication or the force of communication in those ways. And as I had said originally, my story, and I'm not referring, my husband is not a narcissist. You know him clearly, <laughs> far from that. But I do think that there's a lot of those conversations that we used to have that were criticism or things that way. And I didn't know how to respond. So mine was silent treatment and or just rage. Yes. All those kinds of things. Like I played a part in that. And I think that's where I want to get to before we close here is what are the tools for the women and men that are in these situations? Because I'm here to tell you if you feel this communication is a problem in your marriage, you're still playing a part in it. Right. You're defensive. Yeah, you're, there's victim, some... you, you're playing the victim and you're yep. victimizing and you're being defensive. So what are the antidotes to these? The antidote to criticism is a gentle startup. I feel instead of like, you always do this. No, I feel. I statements. I value how hard you work and I'm struggling that you go to your study every night instead of sit down here and talk to me. So I have another question. Okay, this is going to start. Say someone wants to use this. 
fear is all around it. Like, I don't want to say those things. I'm, I'm not going to Can be I received. Can I say do it anyway? I mean, well, like, of course, but the, I, I'm I'm getting to the point that how do you get to a safe place first so that you can say those things? You have to sit in the crap. Literally, I show the clip from Finding Nemo when Marlon and Dory are at the trench and Marlon's like, oh, that's dark and scary. We can't go through it. And Dory's like, no, something tells me we need to go through. He's like, nope, we're going to go over. No, no, something tells me we need to swim through. You have to go through the trench. That means you have to sit in the discomfort of watching your partner be angry or uncomfortable when you're sharing your emotions. Like, yes, I need you to know that this is making me uncomfortable. And it's not your job to unload my discomfort. However, I need to share that this is how it's making me feel. And I think that the uncomfortableness in them, again, this all goes back to you have to start the change. You don't have to get both of you into the system to counseling and to know what these four things are. If you know, okay, I'm going to be more aware of when contempt, criticism, and I'm being defensive and I'm stonewalling and I'm going to respond in these four ways when these things are happening, then that's going to cause a chain reaction in your partner because you're no longer responding how you used to respond. You're responding yeah. in it. And you're not reacting. You are responding. Yeah, oh, there you go. For example, when this happened, you did this. And he's like, well, I feel you did this right there. Defensive. Yeah. Okay. It may have to be, is this a time that we can talk? I need to share something with you. And I don't need you to fix it because a lot of husbands want to fix things mm -hmm. because yeah. that's what the world has told them that you're fixing Felix. And no, it's not their job. I just need to pour out. And I just want someone to hear me. To be heard. To be heard. Good job, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> Good course. Aw, Tracy. And we, heard so we heard you. We heard you. <laughs> right. Okay. So we said a gentle start comes back from cri to criticism. From, mm -hmm. Okay. So, so what about contempt? For contempt is appreciation. Build a culture of appreciation. Remind yourself of your partner's qualities. For example, like I said, I see you working so hard and I'm not feeling supported in this area. It's the both and. You can value, it's sort of like a kick, kick, stroke or a stroke, stroke, kick. I okay. thought it was kiss, kiss, kick. <laughs> well, that, you can do that too. <laughs> so that one would be if like going back to the example of like the wife saying, well, I don't have enough money to go grocery shopping or whatever it's being. I see you working so hard. Yes. And at the end of the week, when I go grocery shopping, I'm still short. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and, but it's saying, okay, I'm showing you the value in this and uh, I'm appreciating your value, but like, I know that you're working hard, but I'm still telling you the fact when I go, like, does that need to change? Like, do we need to change to, you know, like walk away from Aldi by off brands, whatever, mm -hmm. but you know, but right. showing that. Okay. So what are the other two? Um, defensiveness, instead of victimizing yourself, make it sound like I, when I'm to the grocery store, I was so embarrassed because I didn't have enough money to pay for the groceries. It's taking responsibility and accept your partner's perspective and offer an apology and wrongdoing. I have a perfect example. We get a bill from the landscapers and I have told them multiple times, please send it electronically. Stop killing trees. And I don't need 20 invoices a week. Just send it to me electronically. And Darren's like, did I put the invoice in your office? I'm like, well, I told them only electronic. He's like, Noreen, I've worked so hard to make sure our credit is good. And I'm like, I I'll pay the bill. I mean, I'll make sure I'll look at it because he pays all the bills. 
I should have just stopped and said, you're right. I am so sorry. I understand that you've worked so hard to make sure that our credit is always great. Now, this is a little bit of a hyperbole because he's a finance major and it's never not been good, but I did not stop and acknowledge him. I was too busy trying to defend why I didn't look at the paper invoice because it was not the way I wanted to be communicated to by the landscapers. So I should have stopped and validated and not been defensive. That was on me. So the next morning, I'm like, I sent a message. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was too busy taking care of me and not seeing you and validating that you have worked so hard at making sure that our credit is important. And for what Darren does, credit is very important, even though it's never been an issue. Well, and I think, I mean, defensiveness is probably, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, probably the number one issue. It is mine. It is mine. And that's his biggest complaint with me. It's always like, you get so defensive. Because that served a purpose. It did its job. It's doing its job. It's telling you something in your past made you have to. I mean, I grew up in a very tumultuous home. And so I instantly think I have to defend because if I don't defend myself, then I'm the target. I was one being abused. It's a protective. All of these are protective. Right. Our natural protective. Like you're trying, like the woman that, you know, doesn't that stoned walls so she doesn't put herself in the line of fire. She's yeah. trying to protect herself. Excellent. Yeah. She's like, I'm removing myself from the situation, which then turns into stone. Well, and but, again, yeah. you're, you're talking protection and we need vulnerability and communication. If I were just vulnerable and did not be all defensive, I would be like, you're right. I totally just yeah. threw that in my studio and did not pay attention to it because I'm waiting for the electronic. They don't care. They sent it. It's still on us to pay it. Yeah. So then the next one is stonewalling, withdrawing to avoid conflict silent treatment. That's really literally what I want to say is you're acting like a petulant child. Like I'm going to punish you and not talk to you so that you feel shame. So I feel so much crap that hurt people hurt people. And so the antidote for that is self-soothing. This is the hardest one. There's anything I have a checklist on is when anyone comes to my office, like I even have couples that come individually. Can you fix him? Can you fix her? And I'm like, I don't care about him or her. I care about you right now. So yes, I can fix you. Well, what about her? Um, I can fix you. It's being self-aware, self-regulating, self-soothing, and self-validating. If you aren't self-aware, you don't realize what you're doing. I was self-aware. It may have taken 37 seconds before I figured out like I was being defensive and I was trying to dismiss my husband's point. And then that's part of it, too, is we've got to realize, like, we're, we've been told, like, you're perfect just the way you are. You're so, like, the self-love thing of, like, I have to love myself, like, where, you know, like, this, like, the self-help stuff. Like, but if you're not realistic on who, like, oh, I was being defensive there versus, like, he shouldn't have, you know what I mean? Like, if you, you sh- didn't do this, I wouldn't have done that. Right. It's just being accountable to yourself. What's mm-hmm. self-aware. Self-aware. Self-regulating. Self-regulating. But because we do, we, but the world tells us like, no, you don't have to accept that. That's yourself. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we're all sinners. The Bible tells me that I am in a fallen world and that I am a fallen person. Romans 3.23. We all fall short every single day. It doesn't say everybody but Noreen falls short. Right. Right. And we have to forget because again, if we don't realize why that we are sinners and why we need Jesus, 
then Jesus doesn't matter. Like yeah. we, we've been told this whole time that y'all, you're perfect just the way you are and you be you. No, I don't want to be me. I want to be Christ-like. I mean, literally we have to like snap ourselves out of it and be like, no, 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 no. Wait, we all fall short. Yeah. I can be wrong. One of the things we talked about in our episode with Mark and Jill Savage, one of the things they said is, you know, after 28 years of marriage and infidelity and all that they went through, they're relearning how to love each other and how to communicate. And that's always the message that I, I, that's the message that I want to give is, you know, Chris and I have been married 18 years and we've been through tons of crap, tons of great things, but marriage is a constant ebb and flow. And if there's something off, like communication is the root of it. And this is why we're having this conversation. So you can kind of just see where it's coming from so that you can ask yourself these questions, not just what is he doing or she doing? What are you doing? What's your part? And how can you help save your relationship? So you need to self-soothe and self-regulate and then recognize, yes, your partner was gifted to you from God, but is it his job to pick up all your crap? I mean. You had a crappy class at exercise class and these women were really vicious. Does your husband really want to hear about that? Or if something happened at the office, do you want that to be what infiltrates into your marriage? Or do you want to like engage and get to the vulnerable? Right. The vulnerability. Because when the vulnerability opens things up, you can talk about the stuff that's going on at the office and it's not about you. And it's not about the crap. What he's really saying is, I really felt dismissed or... Those women really made me feel badly about myself. Yeah. Vulnerability builds intimacy and trust. So good. Thank you, Noreen, for Thank being here again Noreen. today. Love and it. Housewives, we just hope that you just take a minute. We're going to put all this stuff in the show notes. Check it out yourself. Look at your own relationships, your marriage. And we just want to encourage you to just keep going. Yeah. And that you can always grow and the quickest way to change somebody else's reaction is to change yourself. Very good. All right, housewives. Until next week. Until next time. Bye. Have a good one. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Link in the show notes. And be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.